Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Coding. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganza, a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice and humour. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learned from it. Hello, howdy doody. Howdy okay. doody. Howdy doody. I feel like it's starting to fit you now. I've adopted it. It's our version of Ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch this space for merch with howdy doody on. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, how are you, Julie? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I've had a bit of a week where I've sort of struggled and gotten a, over a cold a little bit. The wasp people came back. Can you believe this saga continues? <laughs> and they, because uh, they gave us our money back the first time because it oh, made good. no difference to the wasps, the bait stations that they put up. Right. But they've come back now that the wasps are eating protein. <laughs> what do you mean they're eating protein? What are you doing? Like putting sausages in the trees? <laughs> What? I thought it sounded pretty scary. I'm like, should I be worried? Are they are they coming for me? Are they like zombie wasps? <laughs> are they coming for me? So they're going to try a different bait or more bait or, um, okay. and we'll see how it goes. Anyway. Last chance yeah, the, before the tree gets. Yeah. Chipped. I can't get the tree chopped Chipped. down at the moment anyway because my gardener's allergic to wasps. Oh, so <laughs> I just... I'm so, wait, sorry. Someone who works in a garden's allergic to wasps. I'm wondering if that's he needs to question his life choices. <laughs> the, the highlight of my weekend was definitely going out for a long walk with a friend of mine. I've been trying to go for a small walk or run in the evenings before I start painting, just to sort of refresh, yeah, and take some time for myself. And I've I haven't done that in the last week. It was just have had a few mm. mishaps at home where Chris hasn't made it home on time for bedtime. and um, So if you've had a cold and stuff, it's... I ha- yeah, I haven't been feeling well. And so being able to go on the weekend and just spend, you know, an hour out in nature with a friend of mine felt really good and really refreshing and just being able to talk about all sorts mm. just reminded me as well of how important it is to do that for myself. Yeah. So that was definitely my highlight. The wasps are the, 
But the low light, the walk was my highlight. <laughs> Done a few other stupid things like released the podcast a day early today. <laughs> yeah, so some of you probably overseas, maybe like in, I don't know, America or somewhere. It depends on the time zone. You might have listened to the podcast a day early as a kind of um, special treat. Because <laughs> Julie forgot what day it was. <laughs> Uh, it's all good. I forget what day it is every day. So <laughs> that happened at some yeah. point that we did something like that. And I I know you were really apologetic. And I was like, oh, don't, it doesn't even matter. Just it's fine. Delete <laughs> and then repeat tomorrow. <laughs> and maybe maybe we'll start releasing it a day early. Just randomly. <laughs> Fun. Oh, dear. So bizarre. How's your week been? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I should have given you time to get over here. Ah, how's my week been? <sighs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> it's been interesting. The past 24 hours has been a challenge and I hit, hit a little bit of a roadblock in my art practice with something and it's fine. But yeah, it's caused a little bit of stress and I am sure we will circle back to talking about it at some point because it will definitely make a good episode I think partly you know just just lessons 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 I've learned yeah. but outside of our I've just got the word gibbets written down I know I was looking at thinking what the hell is a gibbet <laughs> and I was like Julie is not gonna know what a gibbet is uh, so the <laughs> so you know like nowadays crocs are they're like a fashionable thing they're like a thing they are they are in the world of kids Okay. okay, so I just missed that memo. You wouldn't know the memo, and I didn't know the memo. And anyway, it's like they're like gold dust. They're hard, so hard to buy. They're just like sold out everywhere. And because all every kid, I don't. And this, I don't know if this is like a worldwide thing, or this is just a Gisborne thing, or just like a my child school thing. I don't really know. But anyway, everybody wants red Crocs. Long story short, because I'm not really going to tell quick stories. My daughter <laughs> wanted these Crocs. She's got Crocs, right? And then now there's this thing where you can get these buttons, these pictures that you stick in the Crocs. Anyway, it was a craze and everyone at school had gibbets and then the gibbets started getting stolen and swapped and everything. And, and so then the school banned gibbets. <laughs> so the gibbets were banned. So she decorated my Crocs with these gibbets and they're like literally ridiculous because... You're going to have to take a photo. I'm going to have to take a photo and I'll put it in the show notes. Anyway, back to my story. There is a point. Oh my God. I'm waiting for you to get to it. <laughs> We've had the history of shoes so far, but... <laughs> Guys, what are we in? We're like 40 minutes into the podcast. No. Um... <laughs> so we were walking to the school on Sunday and she was like, Mummy, you can wear your Crocs like me and we'll go to school wearing your Crocs. And I was like, oh, these are my studio Crocs. And my husband's always teasing me like, you're going to wear those out of the house one day. Like, ha, 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 ha. And anyway, I was like, oh, it's fine. We're just going to go to the school park and we won't see anyone. <laughs> <laughs> On the way back from the school park, I happened to bump into a friend of mine with her brother who was visiting from the UK and her sister-in-law and her son, who's in my daughter's class. And so we bump into them. And they're like, oh, hi. Oh, oh hi. Oh, you're visiting from England. Oh, oh. And in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, my shoes. <laughs> Nobody look at my shoes. And then the, her son is like, you've got gibbets. And then everyone's like, what? What? 
gibbet and then everybody's looking at my feet <laughs> and everybody's looking at my gibbets and I'm like a 42 year old woman <laughs> gibbets and everyone's like oh look at your shoe look you're wearing crops and I'm like die die <laughs> and um Oh, I had to sort of like go, ha ah, ha, yeah, I didn't think I'd see anyone. And uh, my, my daughter just thought it would be nice to put her limits on my shoes. Anyway, how's your, how's the jet lag? And uh, mm, let's go to the beach. For, oh my God. I just died. I was so embarrassed. <sighs> it's um, always the way. It's always the way. I don't even know why I thought like I'm not going to see anyone because I feel like I manifested seeing people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's memoed self. Never leave the house wearing my crocs and gibbets my daughter still thinks they're amazing and she's so she just thinks it's so nice that we've got matching shoes so that's anyway, really cute it is quite cute <laughs> but <sighs> that's my story <laughs> was it worth it i don't know <laughs> yeah that's it really i've got another thing that i was going to talk about but i think we probably need to crack on and i'll talk about that next time we should probably just say thank you to everyone for jumping in on April for Artists. It has been oh my gosh, yes, so amazing. I can't believe it. Like, I did not. I mean, it's it was popular when I did it on my page. Well, had we thought how um, useful this could be, we would have like actually kind of done a bit more, <laughs> kind of preemptive chat about it in a way. But yeah, I was looking at the hashtag April for Artists twenty twenty three, and there's over a thousand. We're only like three days in, and there's over a thousand posts now which is amazing still yeah I feel like I'm still catching up on a lot of them Mm. the weekends are always a tough time for me to be on Instagram but I haven't really looked I feel like I've learned so much about so many of our followers already and this is such I love seeing all the studio Mm. and next time next time one of our um, prompts is going to be wear a mustache and do a story yeah next next year we'll do it again and we, we, we actually were talking the other day about how um just running little sort of mini challenges will be something that we pr- will bring in as well I think just throughout the year we'll, we'll sort of try and do some like five day ones or seven day ones or something like that my husband is very confused as to why we keep wearing mustaches in our stories <laughs> and I just really like the idea of people turning up in mustaches all over everyone's stories yeah. <laughs> on a particular day and it just being yeah my husband very doesn't get it either. he's like why and I'm like I don't know why not <laughs> Phoebe challenged me once and now it's become a thing it's a thing it's a vibe. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like my... It's quite nice to have a place where I can be a bit more silly and a bit more... Yeah. I don't know, like... I mean, I do let a lot of my personality through on my other Instagram, my my own Instagram, but... Yeah, I think you're very good at There's that. an element of, like, wanting to keep some of it <laughs> a little bit more more sort of sensible most of the time. Most of the time. Um, but... On the flat page, I feel like, yeah, we can just be a lot kind of more silly and get away with sharing a lot of memes and things. And it's just nice. It's just, I just it's want really to funny. kind of like also encourage other people to be a bit less sort of worried about showing up in a silly way, you know. So, yeah. But yeah, thank you everyone for um, for joining in and hopefully we, it continues. I haven't, I haven't missed a day yet, but we're only two days in. So. Are we two days? No, it's day four today, Julie. Oh. <laughs> yes, it's the 4th of April. Oh. I'm pretty sure I've done them all. It's, I've done three days. <laughs> it's just take everything I say with a oh. grain of 
So and when this goes out, it'll be like day, I don't know, yeah. nine or something. Um, oh, I feel before we go too much further, if you've gotten this far, mm. you've probably already realised that there are now ads at the start oh, or yeah. the end of our podcast. Depending um, on where so you are. Just... I'm not sure. Is it everywhere? Uh, yeah, everyone, everyone's podcast will have them either at the start or the end. Okay. Um, should do. Maybe it depends on location. Don't really know. Um, we had planned on waiting and telling you guys before we launched our ads, but I pressed a button and it was there. <laughs> so we thought, you know what, we'll run it for a couple of weeks and see how it goes. Yeah. To be honest, Phoebe and I would rather not advertise to you guys directly, like have us at the moment reading mm. our ads and we haven't secured a sponsor that seems like a lot of work at the moment and so mm. this seems to be the easiest way of us um trying to recoup some costs yeah and hopefully it's not too annoying um i think they're quite easy to ignore if mm. that's yeah. what you decide to do <laughs> yeah i just think it's a very fine line to kind of try and balance between you know doing this podcast and we don't really want to keep having to ask for coffee money all the time like but we do take quite a few hours out of our week to do this and so if we can monetize the podcast just a little bit with these automated ads that we haven't got any control over what they are, by the way, they just chosen for us by Acast. So it, yeah, if we can get a little bit of money back from the podcast that way, just to cover our time and our costs and all of the kind of bits and bobs that go with doing a podcast. Yeah, it just feels to us like this is the easiest way at the moment. And hopefully it's not too offensive and annoying to you. But you know, I just think, you know, in life, if you listen to the radio, watch TV or whatever, there's, you know, there's adverts and you just, that's just life, you know, it's, and it's not hard to ignore them. I don't think. I don't think so either. But um, anyway, we just wanted to. So sort of, far we've only yeah. made $2. So look, <laughs> if that continues, we'll obviously take them off. But if we can even recoup enough to pay, you know, for the babysitter, then yeah. I'll be happy. And yeah. hopefully you guys understand that. And yeah. we appreciate you yeah. just coping with this while we're, finding our way um yeah, exactly but the other i guess little uh thing that we probably should chat about is this might, <clears throat> is this probably going to be the last episode for this season yes and yes. then we're going to have a two-week break over easter so this will be the last episode <clears throat> for two weeks and then we'll come back with season two which yeah. will look very much like season one but with a two in front of it we'll try and keep the instagram going as and when we can though over the next couple of weeks but yeah, April for Artist will still be running, so we'll yeah. still have plenty of reason to interact and chat to you. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's always going to be more of us around. And um, yeah. yeah, just give us a little chance to do a bit of family stuff and then come back with sort of fresh ideas. Yay. All right. We should probably tinkle the water glass with the paintbrushes in about now and slide over to the topic. Okay, so Prince. 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 Julie. Prince. You don't do Prince, Julie. I don't. Why don't you do Prince? And have you done so, Prince? Many years ago when I was trying to make this decision, I've always, I've never actually loved the idea of doing Prince outright. So it already sort of sat in an area that I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to do Prince of my artwork. So I thought my way of getting around it might be I take thousands of photos mm. for my works and I thought that I would maybe sell the photos as prints. The ones you haven't painted? This, my source images I've tried really hard to sort of keep separate. I tried printing my flowers onto like a beautiful satin fabric that I could then roll oh, wow. up and sell with poster hangers. 
so that I could sell the whole thing with framing sort of included. And I also did do paper versions of some cloud photos. Now, for me, I found that the amount of time that went into printing, sampling prints, finding printers, ordering poster hangers, the amount of, and then organizing framing for people, shipping, mm. all of that side of it. When I added all of that up and how much money I actually made from the prints, it wasn't worth it to me. So I would rather spend all of the time that I spent on those things mm-hmm. on painting and painting my originals. And I think there are a lot of people out there doing beautiful photography and doing that as their main thing. Like I can name, you know, yeah. four or five off the top of my head that just do the most amazing floral photography. And I don't think I was up there. I think my photos are really good, but well, I wasn't nailing yeah. it. It would just take a lot of energy to kind of make that a big big part of your practice and your income stream if you wanted to I'm sure you could have if you really had dedicated that time to doing it but then that would have probably taken away from the painting time so exactly I think that you need to you know when you are this is something we can touch on later but when you're putting your prints out there it needs a lot of marketing and you need to be putting them you know if it works really well having places, you know, having gallery spaces where people can see them and having them online and advertising your products, that all takes time and effort. And I just got to the point where I was trying to do, I had too many juggling balls up Mm, in the air mm. and it was like, all right, well, what do I strip out? And what I really wanted to do was paint. So all of that stuff had to go. And I actually found that it was causing a little bit of confusion. People thought that they were prints of my paintings. And so I felt like I was forever saying, no, no, these are photos. But then yeah. there's that, you know, is it a photo of your artwork yeah. or is it... Yeah, because anyway. the thing with your paintings are they're so sort of hyper-realistic in a way that if you were to shrink them down to, fo- you know, like a print size, they possibly would look like a photo. So the difference... There's not like a huge... You know, like if you'd done sort of textural abstract, yeah, it would be big enough of a difference that it would be really obvious to people that this is a photo and this is a print, but your your work is so you know, realistic that I could see where people would get confused. Yeah. I mean, I, I found that really flattering that people thought that, but at the same time I was like, no, it's a photo. It's a photo of a, it's a photo, a photo, photo. <laughs> but yeah. I've always wanted to keep my, I guess my originals, my main thing and mm. not, and I think if I was going to do prints, I would do an original with that as its main purpose. Like I'm painting this original because I'm going to do prints of it. Right, yeah. I just, at this stage, I can't see myself going down that path because I know it's a lot of work and I think that's where I'm at. So Phoebe, prints are a part of your business. When Mm. did you start doing them? I've sort of tried to dabble on and off with them since, since doing, I suppose I did a few when I was doing the abstract landscapes and then they were sort of just open edition, smaller prints and then I've Last year when I released a collection called Moments in Time where I had painted quite a few still life um, artworks, I decided to photograph those and do some limited edition prints of those ones. And um, since then I've also released, over January this year, I did the a 31-day project and I picked, I think, 18 of those images and turned those into prints, just like really small limited edition so they're only eight by eight inch prints they're not like a huge part of my income stream 
partly kind of that is because I haven't wanted to really invest that amount of time into making them. My time capacity is capped, really. I only have five hours a day where I can do art, really. So I want to paint and, you know, then I've got to package up anything that sells and that takes time and then, you know, all the other things. So if I kind of make the effort and do a bit of promotion I usually sell some prints but if I stop then I don't sell some I don't sell any prints so it ha- like I I find it hard because I'm not that interested like not interested but like I just don't love that side of it enough to like you force me to kind of invest a lot of time into the marketing side of things and so I know there are areas I could improve and I know that if I just like dedicated some time to trying to market them a bit better and um made that more of a regular thing then I probably would sell more than I sell uh but like you I just have to pick pick some sometimes I just have to pick one thing that is going to fall by the wayside and often it is the prints um I have a place in town that uh, uh kind of it's like a kind of gallery slash shop I don't know what you'd call it it's like a kind of nice homeware store I guess in town here and and they have my prints there because they're in a shop so they tick over like and I mm. sell those kind of regularly and that's effortless you know I don't have to do anything there up um, until this month I've had um little cards mm. and I've had them in the gallery up in Northland where we lived for a few years oh, yeah. for and they've just been ticking away like every month or so I get $20 from them and I think, oh, oh well. Yeah, coffee money. Yeah. Probably should send them some more at some stage if I've got any. But it's just sometimes the thought of even getting more printed. Yeah. I just think, oh, I don't know if I even want to do that anymore. Yeah, it's it all takes time. That's what I've realised. Like, I think when I started, when I thought initially like, oh, I'll do prints of these, the moments in time collection, I think I I thought like, oh, this will be like a really great passive income and I just, you know, won't even have to think about it and they'll just sell because they'll be on my website. And then the reality is like, actually, no, you, <laughs> you do need to do legwork and you do need to continually kind of market them. You do need to tell people about them over and over again and you do need to remind people and on shipping. a newsletter. And, and then when everyone. you... Yeah, and then the thing is, I'll get one or two sell a week and then it's like, then that I'm not very fast at shipping at like um packaging like we talked about in the previous episode and so like yesterday I had how many did I have to package up like I think I had four orders or five orders and you know it took me the best part of three hours really to sort of do all of the packaging because I'm I'm really slow with it and that that's because I, well, I don't want to rush for a start Mm. um but it just takes me a lot of time and so I yeah and I don't drop ship like I get them printed to order so I because I because they're limited edition I want to hand sign them and I want to number them and I want to write you know on the back about them and I want to package them up and um if they were open edition the company that I use to print um I could get them shipped from there but I don't I don't want to do open edition at this stage. I only want to do limited edition. And we can mm. talk a bit more about that as and when we go into some questions. Yeah, I think that's all really interesting points to think about before anyone gets started is, yes, it is a really great way of making a passive income, 
but just be wary that the time that you spend on that, you won't be able to spend on mm. something else. And for some people, that's going to work really well. Mm. And for others, I think that you don't need to do everything. It isn't passive at the moment. Like passive would be like my my online course is passive, as in like that's there. People can buy that. All I get is a notification. I don't have to do any extra work at all. It's completely done. But prints is only sort of 50% done. Yes, the image is done. But everything mm. else isn't done and everything else actually are all the bits I don't like, <laughs> you know, mm. all the bits that are kind of faffy and boring. And yeah, it would almost be better to maybe do like time. I've seen people do things where they release and it's only like a week and they're like, right, here's the limited edition. It's going out. It's only available for this week. And then after that, it's gone from my website. And that almost seems more sensible because then you know that you're going to get lots and lots of orders in that week and then you're going to spend the next week packaging up lots and lots and lots of orders but then that's it you aren't actually going to get any orders trickling through for the rest of your time yeah in a way that feels more appealing yeah it'd be interesting to see how that went mm-hmm. and you've still got to do all the pre-work you've still got to photograph it you've still got to oh, get it course. to the printers you've still yeah. got to do a test print and i i think i mean the way i do think about the prints is that i it's not just a kind of income stream for me but certainly um i have had lots of people who reach out and ask are you going to do prints because i'd love an original but i can't afford one at this mm. stage so the print is the next best option and it's just yeah it is nice to be able to offer that and then you know like you say that can lead to a future you know someone who becomes a collector of original work in the future or if not even if they just buy buy one print you know that's just enabling it's it's enabling someone Mm. to own a piece of art at an affordable price and that for me is a really you know it's just really nice to be able to offer that um, yeah, I started doing those little tiny paintings, which um, yeah. was my sort of way of offering a lower price point. And I've sort of run out of time to do those at the moment, but I'll go back to doing them again at some stage, yeah. I hope. Yeah, so I do prints, but I just don't think I've got it. This I don't think I've got a very good system, basically. <laughs> so I was really interested when we reached out to um, two artists that do prints and seem to do really, really well with the way they market them and sell them and things. So um, we reached out to Jen Seavers and Sierra Roberts to ask their advice. And when I was reading through their amazing advice that they gave gave us, I definitely learned some things in there. So what about you, Julie? Did What did you think about their answers? Oh, I found it so interesting because they're, they're actually quite, they're similar and quite different. So Sierra does a lot of paper prints um, and Jen Sievers does a lot more big canvas prints. So, yeah, so, so that's more the surface that's printed on. Yeah. She's always also found that big prints always sell more than small ones. Mm, um, so that's really interesting. And then Sierra has said that she had, she's been having more success when she's made smaller, more affordable, but larger editions. So, again, this is going to be different depending on who your audience is, what mm. your work is like. Maybe your work suits a smaller format. So I think there is no one size fits all. Yeah. You can sort of get the best advice. I'd say find someone that works, that produces work that feels similar to yours or in a mm. similar sort of um, genre and see what they're doing that works well. Maybe talk to that person. They might be really happy to give you advice. Yeah. Some people aren't and that's okay too. Like, yeah. 
And I think as well, it's sort of like possibly just decide which of those angles you want to focus on. I think if you if you go right, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go. I'm going to go really big. I want to make really big editions of this. So I'm going to take my painting, which is say 50 by 50 centimeters, or whatever. But I want to make a meter by meter, a really big print of this. So then you're going to have to look at that from a completely different way because you're going to have to photograph have that painting photographed um you know in much higher resolution to create a bigger version of it so that's going to be a whole different set of processes and kind of thought patterns that you're going to have to go through if you're regardless of what's the word <laughs> compared to if you were going to take your 50 by 50 centimeter painting and create smaller 10 by 10 inch yeah editions of that so don't do both at the beginning i would say like that's just yeah going to confuse you and it's going to cause two completely different um, ways of working and I think think about why you're creating prints. So one thing that Sierra said is that often clients who buy smaller prints will save up and then buy an original later. And that can be yeah. a really, prints can be a really good way of producing an entry point price point for people who want your work but can't afford it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I think, you know, just spoke to Sierra having a really well thought out, I think, print structure was she's also said that she keeps the integrity of her originals by not offering prints of a, ever of the same size so her prints are usually significantly smaller mm. and that allows the originals and the prints to be two completely different products so some interesting advice from jen is that she likes to offer canvas and paper prints and that canvas her canvas prints are much bigger sellers than paper um, she recommends offering a few sizes in each go as big as you can depending on the size of your print file and your printer will help you work out how big this can go mm. so that's really helpful yeah, I've never used, I've never done prints on canvas. It's not something I've looked into, but um, it's interesting to know that note that she feels that they're better sellers. And that again, that's for her business and for her mm. style of work. It, it, you know, it really does suit her work. Yeah, it's it's a lot of this is just going to come down to personal preference. And I found some of their advice so useful. So mm. we'll obviously refer to some. Well, I'll probably refer to some of their advice mm. when we're answering questions today because I've got quite I'd say limited um, experience with prints but I will also put up a list of recommendations from them in mm. the newsletter this week yeah um, I'll probably just condense it down to dot points yeah um, but they're fantastic people so I think one of the big things that they both put was have a look at what other people are doing and they are two people that I think are doing this really well mm. so definitely go and check them out if printing is something that you're thinking about getting into um, because yeah. it'd be a good role model I think my, both Julie and I haven't really sold printing <laughs> just now I feel like um, we've, we've sort of talked about basically how we're not doing it great or how we haven't done it well but I do think if you get it right and if you persevere and if you really actually want to focus on it it can it can be and it's proven to be a really really great way of creating an income stream you just need to go into it realizing that it does take probably quite a bit of initial work and effort to establish so there's just something to be mindful for if you're not at the stage where you're ready to kind of um accept that extra workload if you know what i mean Mm. I think they must get to a point when you've done it enough that it all feels like it's fairly... I'm sure you can streamline that and you can create systems and have a kind of workflow. But the first time you do it, it's going... You know, 
it's going to probably require quite a bit of trial and error. You can you can learn from other people, definitely. And I think much better to go into it having done a lot of research and then go and do it. Okay, well, we've got lots of listener questions, so let's crack on with those. Okay, so could you explain limited edition printing? Right, well, <clears throat> limited edition printing literally means that you decide on a fixed number of prints that you're going to create of a particular artwork in a particular size and then you only sell that many so that's it really open edition is you there's no limit to uh, the amount of times you print an image obviously that then is going to kind of influence the price a limited edition depending on how many you have influences the the amount of money that you can kind of charge for an art for a, for a print some people digital artists for instance you know they might only do one edition and it is like an artwork um and then you know people might only do like five or ten or some people do a lot 250 a thousand it, it it doesn't it's really up to the artist it was interesting that uh jen was saying that limited edition prints sell much more than opens mm. um and the margins are much higher so that's something interesting to take into account. So even within limited edition that you are capping the amount of prints that you'll make, you can usually you can usually justify charging a higher price for that product yeah. because it, there is less of them. Yeah. It just creates that kind of, well, exclusivity, doesn't it? If you know that only there's only ever going to be 50 of something in the world, that makes it more desirable, I guess, as a, to a collector than knowing that they're... Well, you know, if you went to Ikea and bought a piece of art, print from ikea say for instance that's been printed hundreds of thousands of times or whatever it's no longer like as special as something that's there's only 50 of in the world that's you know the difference really so i've got another question here where someone has asked do we photograph the original or professionally scan so for my work for my prints if they are small under a four size i have a scanner a flatbed scanner that i use for my small work and i um photograph my own work myself if it's a painting or bigger than a four size the reason i do that is because i was a photographer for a while i know how to use photoshop i know how to use a dslr camera so i have those skills that so i didn't need to learn those skills they were already something that i had so that is kind of cuts out a cost and it cuts out me having to send my work away because there's nowhere locally that does that option for me. I live quite remotely in New Zealand. It does take me quite a lot of time to do that. It doesn't really matter, I don't think, whether they're scanned or photographed as long as the place that you're using knows what they're doing, you know. And so I would look at past work, you know, see see who uses them, perhaps reach out to those artists and say, have you found using this company? Do your due diligence homework that's kind of the best way. That's how I found my printer. I can't remember who it was, but I, I'd found somebody else that had used them. They gave them great feedback. There was, you know, a couple of places that I tried out and I really liked the results from this particular printer. They're really, it's a really easy relationship. I know that I'm going to get good results every single time with them. So that's why I use them. So I think the interesting thing with deciding whether you're going to scan or photograph. So if you're doing small works and you're going to get them printed small, I yeah. think scanning works fine. The resolution is fine. 
But I think if you're wanting to print your works quite large, I think scanning, there can be limits in the resolution. And same with photography. So if you're photographing large works, I think one hint that I've heard from several people um, that I know apart from Jen and Sierra is to learn to get your photograph, your artwork photographed in pieces and mm. slice it together because that will give you a bigger overall file. So instead yep. of taking one photo of your one image, mm. you might need to photograph your image in two shots or in four mm. so that you can get a really good resolution of your image if you're wanting to produce quite big reproductions that are still of really good quality. Yeah. And I think making sure your prints are of the best quality you can possibly get is really important. Some advice from Jen was that find someone good to scan your prints and if you're not happy with the colours, ask the photographer to adjust them if you're not. Um, The bigger the file, the bigger prints you can make and the bigger prints have higher margins. So what do you think? Um, Someone's asked here, matte or gloss paper? What what are your thoughts? What's your preferences? I I think that's really personal preference. When I've been reproducing photographs on paper I chose a really a really matte paper and a really textured paper it's something that I really like to look up for my cloud photos mm. and for my floral photos I did them on more of a satin finish or actually I printed them onto satin as well into a fabric mm. and that was just what I liked the look of my works on mm. and I think it really comes down to it's so individual based on what you yeah how did you choose I mean I wouldn't, I'll be honest, I would never go with gloss, ever, personally. That's just not something I would use for, like, an art work. I use two different types of paper, actually. The the slightly higher price point paper is more textured, and then the, the sort of, the smaller, the mini prints that I do is more of a, it's more flat, but... Uh, it's definitely matte. And I just like, I just like that because it kind of feels like a surface that I would paint on, so... Mm. I think sometimes it's about um, trying to reproduce what the original looked like Mm. best Mm. and so that's going to come down to everyone's individual artworks and their taste like yeah and most places well I would hope I mean most places I've come across across and certainly the the place that I use for prints um, have a, a quite a wide range of paper and they would happily send out uh samples of all of those and then, you know, I've then gone and looked at those samples and decided which which couple I like the best. And then I've had a couple of test prints done in, on those and then decided after looking at those which ones again that I prefer. And then before I make the decision as to which, you know, what I'm going to use to print on. What do you think is the best way to market prints? Social media, galleries, exhibition, etc. What's your... Oh gosh, I'm like not good at marketing. <laughs> I think probably email list, your your, your newsletter people, uh, is 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 going to be your first port of call. Uh, because they're the people that are you know really invested in you and interested in you, and they've signed up to know about you. And then I go, and you know share it on social media, sharing it in my stories with a link. So every now and then I'll try and remember to do that, and then I tend to see my traffic go up and I'll get a few orders that way but I don't think I'm brilliant at it I don't don't it's not something that I put enough time and effort into really but yeah what do other people do um so really great advice here from Jen and Sierra so Jen mentions that don't forget to tell people about them and this comes back to something that you've said in previous episodes Phoebe and I have to keep reminding myself is that often when you post 
one, two, five percent of people are going to see that post. Mm. So you might have to post several times about the fact that you've got prints mm. and not feel not feeling funny about that. Yeah, I mean that's something that I really struggle with for selling points. So yeah. this is again Same. why prints didn't work for me. But when I look at Jen's page, she does such a great job of putting out the fact out there that she's got prints, the sizes that are available, showing people mock-ups. And she recommends make a big deal out of it on your socials. And if you do do any paid advertising, put them there. Send people your prints. If you can, send prints to content creators or people who might want to collab and post for you. So that's some really great little marketing Mm. ideas. Um, And Sierra said much the same. So put a lot of effort into your photos. And if people are buying them from your website or Instagram without seeing them, you need to... Uh, make the product as clear and accessible as possible. You need to be trustworthy. So showing them the best version of your prints and making sure that what you're showing them is going to match what they're going to get. And so Sierra recommends doing some videos of your prints as well yeah. so that people can see the texture of the paper. And I think if you can get them into some physical places, into some galleries, into some interior stores so that people can go in and see them, whether it's not they buy from those places, it can be really good for people to be able to see the finished product somewhere. Mm. Yeah, I think the video thing, I hadn't, it's so weird, isn't it? Like I I, I, what, I follow Sierra's Instagram feed and I love it when she shows about her prints. She, she does like little videos where she's um, signing them or just sh- sharing, you know, sharing how they look. And I never, ever, ever think, oh God, here she is banging on about prints again. Ever. I never think that. And yet, yeah. when I go to post about them, I get this cringy feeling inside, like, oh, God, oh, people don't want to know about this again. I've already said this once. <laughs> and it's so weird because it's like, I never think that about other people. And yet, I think it about mm. myself when, when I go to do it. So it's it's just a mindset thing that I've got to get my head around, really. But and I don't, I, I haven't really ever shown, my, I've, I've shown myself wrapping them up and things. And I've shown a kind of quick reel where I've flicked them onto a, you know, mm. one, two, but they're so quick. And I, I've never really thought I should show the, the detail and the, the texture and the close-up. I, I don't know why. It's just not really something that's occurred to me. And now yeah. hearing Sierra talk about it, I'm thinking, oh, she's so wise. How? Why am I not wise like that? <laughs> why is that I mean, she says here it took her a while to figure it out. And she's also saying, you know, make a day of it. Don't try and rush the process and do it in 20 minutes, which is probably what I would have done. Um, <laughs> the effort can really pay off. Yeah. So I think this is it. This is what I'm learning. Um, you know, the like basically whatever rewards you reap are going to be reflective of the amount of effort you've put in in the initial kind of beginning end. So, yeah. If you're sitting there going, I haven't, I've got prints, but I haven't sold any, like me. Well, I mean, I have sold some. But if you're thinking you haven't really sold that many prints and you probably then need to think about, well, how 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 much marketing are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever showed the texture of the paper. And I like, I chose a really beautiful 300 GSM German etching Same. paper That's to print using. my... Um, my and, photos and they look and it's beautiful when I look at it I think oh this is so nice but I've never actually shown anyone yeah <laughs> how nice it is you know like how are they gonna know that I just I don't know why I'm like well I've written about it and I've told them they should know yeah you've got to <laughs> tell people where to find and you've got to like got to actually sh- like people don't and it's because I know you know you know what that looks like but Joe blogs down the road doesn't know I know I know it's silly anyway people People that have got their heads screwed on, like Sierra and Jen, 
<laughs> Go and look at them. So, the ultimate question, how do you price them? So when I was looking at pricing, so for the photos, I was actually quite hoping to have them, take them into a few wholesale options. When you say wholesaling, can you just sort of expand on that? What, what were you meaning? Like... Oh, okay. So when I started, I was wanting to not just sell prints myself, but to also wholesale them and have other stores sell them for me. Mm-hmm. But when your wholesaling works and when, like when you're pricing, you've got to keep that in mind that the wholesale businesses, so the interior shops or whoever you're selling them through, will only want to pay 50% of the retail price. So when you're figuring all of that out, that's got to be taken. Mm-hmm. You've got to take that into in mind. So it's not just working out how to cover your costs. It's figuring out how to also figure out a wholesale price. And then is that still a price point that your customers are going to want? Mm-hmm. So how have you, have you got any tips mm-hmm. on pricing before I... Oh, I mean, really all I did was just look at a lot of other people when I was sort of thinking about it I was like well what are people charging for prints I have no idea really because I don't I'm not really in the market to buy them and so then I would just look at other people's websites and just I think I just made like a note you know notes file where I popped in different prices and the sizes and then kind of saw there was a massive discrepancy like it, it really was sometimes like a massive difference like some people were charging hundreds of dollars other people were charging, you know, $45. You know, it just seemed like it, there was a big difference. And so then that made me go, okay, well, this is really not a one-size-fits-all thing. This is just going to have to be me going, what are my overheads? What does it actually cost me? And then working out a kind of formula like, okay, well, um, you know, trying to work out a sort of system for the initial price, the time it's taking me times that by two you know add a bit (laughs) juggle it about find a number that felt comfortable and go from there um so really yeah it's sometimes that's the best the best way really is to just look around and see and see if there's somebody that's doing some something similar similar size similar edition number um similar quality paper that kind of thing and then and then kind of you can use that as a benchmark and you can decide whether you feel like you want to go similar to that, a bit higher, a bit lower. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, like we said earlier, how many editions is going to come into that as well? Yeah. So whether it's open edition, limited edition is going to affect the pricing or it should. Yeah. Um, the only other recommended thing from Jen in terms of pricing is knowing that the um, places like Society6 um, – you're going to make a lot less money out of because you're really only selling them a license to mm. to print your work. So I think you only get 10% of the sales when yeah, you're selling through somewhere big I've like, very... which is very different mm. to wholesale. Mm. And you have to be getting quite a lot of volume of sales for it to actually become lucrative for you. Yeah. To do something like, I think, yeah, like I looked into Redbubble, I think it is, or those places and you can where yeah. you, you can get them printed as prints but you can get them put on cups and towels and t-shirts and and it kind yeah. of looks like a good idea and it's like oh that might be interesting because all i have to do is upload my image and then i can just walk away but unless you've got like a i don't know insane following and you're like really really desirable people out there clamoring to buy you know t-shirts with your art on i don't you, yeah you you are getting a very small return 
<clears throat> One other really good piece of advice that came through from Sierra was that um, you will have prints that get damaged and it's inevitable yeah. that that'll happen. And the shipping companies never reimburse you for insurance. There's a hundred ways that they dodge this. So build this into your cost. She gets one print damaged for every 50 she sends out. So she works that into her costing. Um, can you make prints out of commission artworks? What are your thoughts here? Well, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. No, neither. And not unless, I mean, I don't know, like... Not unless you've explained that really clearly yeah. as part of your commission process. You know, there'll be, there'll be a way of doing it if, if it's if prints are such a large part of your business that you want to do it for every work that you create. Yeah. But I think you have to be really clear and I think you need to make sure you communicate that with your client from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a general rule of thumb for that answer, I would say no. No, unless it's prior a prior arrangement and there's a specific reason why you would want to print that image then it's no giclet or not giclet that is, <laughs> that the, is question. the question <laughs> um or i can or archival and do people really care about this quality right so i would think that the, would come down to sort of price and expectations yeah yeah i mean so the difference between a giclet print and a non-giclet print is in as far as i'm aware that um giclet is a pigment based ink which has an archival quality they're, they're a much more long lasting light fast kind of quality of pigmented ink than like an inkjet printer which would be dye based ink so if you were going to use your home printer unless you've shelled out a lot of money on a on a pigment based ink printer and if you're just going to get your a regular kind of dye based ink jet printer those um dye based inks don't necessarily have an archival uh temperament and they are more likely to fade in the sun the uv and you know they're not going to have like a light fast basically archival kind of means it's going to last like 100 years or more um so obviously if you're going to do home printing with a inkjet printer you cannot then sell that as an archival print and you cannot put a premium price on that it would have to be a low cost kind of um open edition print really so that's the difference and and obviously when you're using a printer that has uses gclay printing or pigment based inks the price is going to go up because of the quality and because of the kind of nature of of those inks costing that company more and the in, the printer itself more expensive the 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 yeah the inks are more expensive everything's more expensive um and that therefore is going to mean that your initial outlay of cost is going to be slightly higher but you can then you know say to your customer i can guarantee that this is archival quality um, because it's a clay print and you're going to put it on your wall and it's not going to fade, you know, as long as you take appropriate steps with your framing and 
etc etc but you you can sort of provide a bit more reassurance that that's going to last and stay the same colors for a long time Mm. which is you know important do people really care about the quality (laughs) if they've spent money on something i guess they do i mean i i wouldn't want to buy a print and then like a couple of years later have it fade Mm. Unless it was like $15 at a craft fair. I think you've you know? got to keep in mind that you're putting those prints out there as your work. And how are you happy for your work to be yeah. displayed? And how fussy are you about the materials that you use? And, you know, if how would you like someone to feel about your work if in five years it's faded and they've spent, mm. you know, even if it's $60, I think someone's spent money, money and time investing in your art and you and I think it's mm. nice if that product is of the you know I reckon do the best quality you can afford yeah because I think it is a reflection of your art practice yeah is it worthwhile I guess is a nice thing to finish on I think you know it's like anything it's going to be worthwhile if you invest the right amount of time and effort into it yeah <laughs> really mm. um so, yeah, it really comes down to whether you want to do it and how much effort you're going to put in. And When you're doing it well and if it's important to you, it can be a really good way of making, um, what do you call it? Extra passive income. Yeah. Well, not it, even a, it's not even not a, I don't. I don't really call it a passive income. I think I'd just call it an income, income stream. Yeah, another income stream. That's, that's a good. Yeah. But I also think that you don't, it's not something that you have to do. And I think at the moment with the economy going the way it is, people are looking for different ways to branch out and if there's another way that they can make money off of their art and if this is the path for you, then great, fantastic. You're making your artwork more affordable for more people and there is definitely Mm. value in that. But if it isn't for you, if you're a bit like me and the thought of spending all of that time on the photography, the scanning, setting up the website, setting up the printing, checking the prints, shipping the prints, and you don't want to do that, you don't have to. It's okay Mm. to say, no, I'm going to spend that time on making more originals, on maybe making a range of smaller originals. And maybe I think even for me, if I got, if I needed to make money, I don't know that creating another income stream from my art would be the first thing that I would do I might go back to doing some analytics or some graphic design a couple of hours a week where I could just do two hours work call it a day and switch off Mm. I think when you're doing starting a print business there's so much ongoing work and attention that needs to be um, given to things it's not just set up the file and press go well for me it never has been and I don't think that I can operate that way I tend to overinvest my time in anything that I do. And so I kind of have to, you know, not, not do some things is how it works best for me. Yeah. And I think as well, like for me, I feel like I tried it out and I've got the ones that I've done now on my website and they are there until they sell. But will I, moving forward, will I invest more time into prints? I'm not sure. I, I sort of feel like for me, the return on investment isn't as lucrative as as um to make it worthwhile for something that I don't you know the the parts of it that I don't enjoy kind of negate the financial gains if you know what I mean the the Mm. time that's taken like you said time that now I have to take out of my art practice spent wrapping prints etc feels like time that I would rather spend painting and creating so for me 
I've been trialing selling smaller original works on my stories that um, either that I already have or I'm thinking of doing some small like sketches and things at a lower price point so that I'm diversifying my income stream that way and offering sort of more affordable art for my followers that way. Um, and so I'm just trialing that out at the moment and so far that seems to be for me slightly more enjoyable and mm. a better source of income because I enjoy most of the you know stages of that it seems a lot less uh, time heavy I think for some people it works really well and some people work with galleries really closely that take that do some of this process for them mm. and so it, it does you know it's going to come down to what you want your works to be and for me I'd like yeah. them to be one-offs I think at the end of the day when I think about it once I've finished a work and sent it off I think when I think about doing prints I'd have to revisit that work all the time mm. and I think I like having a cutoff point that that work is now yeah. done and I don't have to look at it again and sell prints and mm. Mm. yeah and it's and it's like that old thing where you know when I was doing the 30 day project or 31 day project over January I had all these people saying, oh, I've missed out, you know, I'd love to buy a print, will you do prints? And so I felt like there was this big demand and all these people asking because they missed out, etc. And so I then invested that time into creating the prints and, you know, whilst I've definitely sold some, um, the, you you know, you can be a little bit um, sometimes, convinced, you can convince yourself that the demand is higher than it actually is because it tends to be, you know, like, for every 100 people that say they want a print, only 10 people will actually buy it. So, you know, it, it doesn't always translate that the demand initially will result in direct sales. So, you know, it's kind of, it definitely takes a bit of testing the water. But hopefully if you are thinking about prints and you, um, you know, we have covered some of those questions um, for you. Um, okay, shall we move on to a listener fail? Yes. Julie, you can be done. I've got, I've got a funny one that I wanted to share. Okay. So this is from Teresa Katsaras. I took a watercolour class with my sister and we were sitting in a room with rows of tables. While we were working, a smell came from the woman in front of me and I whispered to my sister, she's going to pretend that she didn't just fart in our direction. Thanks a lot, lady. <laughs> we laughed about it for the rest of class. It wasn't until a few days later when I took my paints out at home and squeezed out some of the yellow paint smelling that rotten egg smell that I realised it was my cheap watercolour paint that was the source of the bad smell, not the woman in front of me in the class. She had been politely ignoring the fact that I was the source of the bad smell the entire time. Oh, no. I've never experienced this problem again. It was, it was a craft grade watercolour paint from a set. Live and learn. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> rotten egg paint <laughs> and that lady's probably going oh my god the girl behind me I know, there was <laughs> lots of a... polite ignoring going on I would have been giggling so loudly <laughs> <sighs> it does happen though sometimes I leave my paint water in um, my studio for too long and um, like if you leave that paint water with the acrylic paint and the paint brushes in after a couple of weeks it, it um, kind of goes like rotten oh, yeah. <laughs> and I have picked yeah it's just and I've picked up it and like as long as it's not moved you wouldn't notice but then you pick your paintbrush up and you like I've forgotten that the, the water's been there a couple of weeks and then I'll like waggle you know like move my paintbrush around in the water and suddenly there's like disgusting like rotten egg smell water <laughs> and I'm like ah, 
<laughs> and then I like run outside and tip it into the garden. So I'm trying to be a bit more like mindful about getting rid of my water quicker. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this is falls a uh, bit. <sighs> sorry, gonna move on to some artist okay. shout outs. So these are oh, people yes. that have got some shows or artwork releases coming up. Um, we'll put some more details in the newsletter as well. So um, yeah, this is a new section. We should sort of mention this. For yeah, those that are new to the pod. New section. Um, um, if you're wanting to give us information for your own shout out, you can find the link in our bio on Instagram. Um, and it'd be really awesome if you can go and show these guys some love because they're putting their work out there, and we all know how vulnerable and um, hard that yeah. can feel sometimes. And it's nice when you've got a bit of support. So this first one is from Agate Rubeni, and her Instagram handle is Restless Infectious, and she's going to the Other Art Fair in Sydney. So she's going to be showcasing her latest works from May 11th to 14th in the cutaway. It'll be her first time participating and she's actually got a limited number of complimentary Friday to Sunday tickets. So go and shoot her a DM if you'd like the tickets, but also just go and show her some love. Cool. Have you ever been to the other art fair? No, never. Australia? No. No. But I'd love to. Let's go then. One day. One day. You and me. Next year. Yep. Yeah, I'd love to go too. I always hear about it and think, oh, yeah, it looks yeah, awesome. Sounds cool. <laughs> this is a um, shout- so here's a shout out for Michelle Walker, who is at Michelle Walker Art on Instagram, and she has an art exhibition opening called Ash, Mud, and Tears on the 11th of the 5th. Um, you can find her on michellewalkerart.com and the exhibition of works marks the experience and recovery from bushfires and floods by two Northern Rivers artists. So that would be really interesting, I think. And lastly, we've got Abby White, who you can find at abby underscore white underscore art. is got her solo exhibition opening on the 1st of May. So it's her first mini solo exhibition at the Hobby Lane Craft in Mitchelton in Brisbane. So the exhibition will run for eight weeks and you'll see the details on her socials in the next few weeks. So lots of exciting things um, happening. So to wrap up, Phoebe, have you got any quotes? So this was because I was feeling last week a bit bit um, like my, my asking the universe for abundance kind of went a little bit out of kilter. Um, and my, my good friend actually said to me, sometimes, and this is like, sorry, Julie, going to roll your eyes, woo-woo, all of that. <laughs> I know you love it. <laughs> When I talk woo-woo, woo-woo, my, my friend said to me, sometimes when you ask the university to, to bring you abundance, it has to teach you what, like, the opposite is, so that when you do get abundance, you appreciate it, okay? So anyway, I'm, you know, doing my Eckhart Tolle thing at the moment where I'm trying to be more present, more mindful, and, like, so last night I had all this stuff going on in my head, and I was trying to trying to not sink into anxiety where I overthink, 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 overthink and trying to be more present about them accepting accepting the now, accepting what is and not <clears throat> ruminating on like what could have been or should have been so anyway I found this quote by Eckhart Tolle and the quote is acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is the foundation for all abundance and I just thought yes yes Eckhart I will, I will just bring gratitude into everything that I already have and that will bring more abundance. So that's my quote. <laughs> Julie, what about you? Have you got a quote? I do. So I've got a nice um, 
short length. And I thought there was just like complete silence. <laughs> you didn't go. That's really great, Phoebe. Well, Phoebe, I'm Fantastic. profound, profoundly moved by your quote. I, I really <laughs> <Sorry>. am. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. Actually, you just have one eye on the clock. Like Phoebe, wrap it up. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing. Um, so I've got a nice snappy quote, um, which is, "Unless I am myself, I am nobody," which is from Virginia Woolf. So I've also got a nice little recommendation that ties in nicely with this episode. So Jen Sievers, who we ask a lot of advice from for this week, um, is now doing mentoring. Um, mm. If you're interested in getting some advice from her in a more structured format and on more ongoing um, sort of way, you can go and sign up on her waitlist, which is in the artist resource page on her website. So I know an artist who's worked with Jen for a little while and the information and the help that she's given her has been really worthwhile and has really mm-hmm. helped her build up a great art business and um has helped her I guess find herself as an artist and so I wouldn't feel comfortable I guess recommending Jen if I hadn't seen mm. I guess her in action yeah. even though it's not been with myself it's been with someone that I know really well um, yeah so I wanted to throw that cool. out there as you know also just a little thank you for giving us all of those you know being so generous with yeah. her advice and same to Sierra yeah yeah Sierra she's like you know quite a lot younger than both of us but she is so grounded and has such a wise head on her shoulders and she has just such fabulous artwork and I just think oh wow like just it just goes to show that it's like age is irrelevant when you're in the art business it's really about your dedication to your practice and you know she really shows and proves that like and she doesn't have I don't think she went to art school like formally or anything like that but you just go and look at her work it's absolutely stunning and yeah we're just so grateful for the advice that they gave us and like I said we said at the beginning we'll link in the show notes the kind of summary that they gave so yeah please go and give them both a bit of love on the instas we um will link them all in the show notes so yeah I think that just about kind of wraps it up oh I just wanted to give a little thank you to people that have given us some ko-fi money lately so that's um Amy Christina Melissa Cheryl Jenny Julia Nina and Caroline and sorry there's quite a few because I forgot to do that last week um but thank you guys it's so lovely um if you could uh like and share this podcast with someone who you know would also like it that would be awesome helps us to keep growing if you'd like to find the podcast, the place that we are most visible and most often available is through Instagram, and our page is called Fail Like an Artist. Um, you can find us personally at our personal Instagram pages and websites. I'm at Julia Battisti or www.juliabattisti.com, and Phoebe is at. I'm at Phoebe Gander Art on Instagram and www.phoebegander.com on the internet. Yes, that's where you can find us. Thank you very much for listening. Hope this was good and interesting for you this week. And have a fabulous we'll have Easter a quick break. Yes, yeah. we'll have a lovely break, and we'll come back with a maybe slightly different format next next couple of weeks. We'll have a little put our thinking caps on and think about how we're gonna show up. But do drop us a line, um, DM us if there's anything you want us to talk about. Um, we love hearing from you. Until next time. Thanks so much, Julie, for chatting today. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Keep failing. Bye. Bye. Shit. <laughs> 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 right. you do it again. Well, I'm not on. looking at you. Okay. Witches. <laughs> <laughs> May. <laughs>
I'm so tired. I'm sorry, I had to count my fingers. It's <laughs> a reco. A reco? Is that not? Okay, sorry. Australianism? No, no. Can you say it again? I will. In English. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.